Welcome to the Super Abundant Life Podcast. I'm your host, Olawumi Brigway. I'm a transformational life coach and the creator of Super Abundant Woman, the premier personal development platform equipping and empowering women to create their best life from the inside out. In the not too distant past, I myself was trapped in an agonizing cycle of failure and shame with my mind constantly dominated by negative emotions. But my life was dramatically transformed beyond my wildest dreams when I began to live by the power and the wisdom of God's word. On the Super Abundant Life podcast, my goal is to help you disengage from limiting and faulty belief systems so that you can think differently, believe differently, and live differently. Thank you for tuning in. I'm so glad you're here. Hi, this is Olaomi Brigway and welcome back to the Super Abundant Life podcast. All season long, we've been talking about purposeful living. There are 10 episodes in the series and this is episode 9 of 10. There's only one more to go and I have a surprise for you for the 10th episode. So definitely do not miss that. So we've been talking about living a purposeful life for eight episodes so far. The ninth one is today. Which one is your favorite episode or which ones are your favorite episodes? I'd love to hear your feedback. Let me know at contact at allowmebrigway.com. It would be a wonderful pleasure to hear from you. I mean, different people have emailed me, sent me texts, and even told me face-to-face how much the series has been impacting them. But if you haven't sent your own feedback or even questions, I'm very happy to receive them. So I'd love to hear from you. We're almost at the end of the season and I'm a little bit sad. (laughs) I'm a little bit sad because it's almost like I've been on this incredible journey because every time you teach every time well this is my experience and i think it's the experience of everyone every time you actually teach something you gain more understanding from it so by actually doing this series my own purpose my own understanding of purpose has even expanded and multiplied so i feel a little bit sad that this season is coming to an end but hey there we go we're gonna go into episode nine and in this episode i want to focus on two things two roadblocks that tend to hold us back from living a purposeful life. And those are fear and self-doubt. I could not do a series on purposeful living and not mention those two things because a lot of times it's not necessarily the external factors. It's not necessarily the fact that I don't have this yet. I don't have that yet. It is more of what's going on inside us and what people that we look up to, that we trust may be telling us that are negatively impacting our own confidence and belief in ourselves, preventing us from moving forward. Things like imposter syndrome. You know that you have the skills in your mind, in your head. You know that you can do this thing, but 
somehow the feelings and emotions are whispering and telling you that no it's not you that looking for there you're not able to actually do this you don't have what it takes and so on so i want to really go into today's episode to share certain strategies strategies and tools that will help you overcome fear and self-doubt so that you can get out there and begin to maximize living a life of purpose does that sound good so let's get into it i want to start off by actually defining what fear and self-doubt are and how they impact on us being able to live a purposeful life i'll start with fear fear is literally that warning sign that alarm bell in your head and in one of the episodes i talked about a part of the brain called the amygdala every time you venture out of something that is outside of your comfort zone every time you step out of something that is familiar or that is secure there's a part of your brain that is literally activated and it begins to elevate your heart rate your pulse and all those things sending chemicals into your bloodstream to alert you of the danger that is residing outside of your comfort zone and in that episode i talked about how this is not validation for you to actually retreat back into your comfort zone and not go forward it is literally alerting you to the fact that you're about to do something that is not familiar so this is how fear works now does that mean that there's some things that we should just jump into that we should completely ignore what is going on inside us or our intuition absolutely not but a lot of times in fact i'll go as far as saying boldly about 90% of the time, anytime we feel this discomfort about stepping out to do something that is outside of our comfort zone, it's because it literally is outside of our comfort zone, not because there's any kind of danger out there that is going to swallow us up. So fear represents that warning sign, the alarm bells that saying, hey, hang on a minute. You don't know what's lurking around the corner. We don't know what's going to happen if you leave this safe and very secure place, if you leave this very comfortable place. So it is not validating in any way that you should stay where you are so you have to be able to recognize what is intuition what is from your inside what is the holy spirit leading you intuitively to not do because he can see what's around the corner and he's saying no that's going to end in destruction or that's going to end badly don't take that step there's a difference between that and just the fear of okay i'm stepping out of what is familiar and no we don't know what's going on there let's just shut the whole thing down do you understand that so this comes by walking with the holy spirit and building that intimacy and relationship with the holy spirit because you need that guidance you need to be able to recognize when it is genuinely god that is leading you away from something that is going to harm you and when it is just literally your body chemistry trying to move you away from what it perceives as danger but actually is going to help you move forward in fulfilling purpose do you see what i mean so that's what fear does Self-doubt on the other side, imposter syndrome, whatever you want to call it. I think imposter syndrome is a more woke term for it in today's terms. But self-doubt is underestimating what you're truly capable of. Because a lot of times we don't really have that self-doubt when it's something that you know surely that you can't do. So for example, if somebody came to me now and said, okay, I want you to go and climb a mountain, like literally a physical mountain. 
I'm not going to have self-doubt like, oh, am I able to do it? I'll be like, I can't do it too. So I probably need to go and get training. If I genuinely have a desire for it and I set it as a goal that, listen, in 2024, me too, I want to become a mountain climber. I'm not going to be like, oh, am I? I know I can't do it. <laughs> do you understand that? It's very clear to me that this is something that I can't do. So what am I going to do? It's more of, okay, I need to go and get training. What support network can I join? Who's going to coach me? How can I begin to exercise and make sure that I'm fit? So when you truly genuinely cannot do something, you tend to get into the mode of, oh, what do I need to do in order to move me forward towards that thing? But notice that self-doubt pops up its head, rears its ugly head when you actually have a shot at being able to do that thing. So when there's an opportunity for a promotion at work, I mean, you've been working there, you know that you've been diligent, you've been doing well, but then the voice comes and says, ah, are you sure you're able to do this job? Are you sure that you're going to get it? Are you sure that other person in the next office is not going to be ahead of you and all of that? The reason why that voice is raising those objections is because you you actually have a shot. When you begin to see self-doubt in this way, honestly, it really does help you move forward because you will hold it up to the light and you do your pros and cons and say, listen, let me actually catalog what this voice is saying. Is it actually true? And by the time you begin to hold it up to the light, you realize that, okay, fine, guaranteed. I can't say for sure that I have 100% what it takes, but I may be about 80% of the way. And who needs a hundred percent anyway? If he's a hundred percent, then why am I reaching for it? I'm supposed to be reaching for things that are higher than myself, right? Do you see what I mean? So this is how self-doubt presents itself. Self-doubt comes to attack what is true. The same way God gives you a promise in his word and he shows you clearly. He's told you a million times. You've written it in your journal like 1,000 times. Every time you open your Bible, he reminds you. Every time you have a random conversation with someone, this thing that God has promised you shows up again. However, doubt comes to come and attack what is true. It is true that what God has said is true about you. What self-doubt or doubt generally will come to do is to begin to actually cast shadows over that truth. Can you see the difference? So that's what I really want to help you address in this episode because Honestly, if you're going to live a life of purpose, if you're going to literally go forward into every season of your life, knowing that you're releasing everything God has put inside you for the service of humanity, for the advancement of humanity, then you can't allow fear and self-doubt hold you back because they will try. At every step, they will try. So how can we actually overcome these two beasts <laughs> in order to move forward and live that purposeful life? First of all, I want to talk about the internal and the external dialogue. So these are the sources of fear and self-doubt. The first one that I want to address is the internal dialogue or the self-talk. What you're saying to yourself or the thoughts that are going on in your mind regarding that step you want to take, that conversation. If you're somebody that reflects a lot, that thinks a lot, that ruminates, ruminating is rolling something in your mind over and over again. It's almost the opposite of meditating. Meditating is thinking about something that is good, that is pure, that is actually going to move you forward, e.g. the word of God, 
ruminating is just taking a circumstance usually it's a negative connotation something that is not going to help you something happened somebody spoke to you a certain way somebody said oh you want to apply for that job really are you sure but i thought they were only looking for people that i've done x y and z and you're nowhere near that and you keep rolling that conversation in your mind over and over and over again so is that internal dialogue this is how fear and doubt will manifest themselves. And of course, there's the external dialogue as well, which I'll come to in a moment. So what is that internal dialogue? It is when you have embraced something about yourself or about a particular situation that is false. And I have a beautiful example in the Bible, and that is Gideon. When God showed up and presented before Gideon a beautiful assignment. Now this assignment was not just going to liberate him and his family, his immediate family, but it was going to liberate an entire nation. An entire nation. I can understand how and why Gideon got a little bit afraid and doubt kicked in, right? Because that was a huge one. But God would not have showed up to give him that assignment if he didn't know he was capable, if he didn't know what he had put inside Gideon. So that's one of the first things I want you to understand. Anytime something becomes open to you, like you have this idea, like I really want to do this, you would not even be open to that idea if there was not something already inside you that has been deposited the capacity to be able to achieve that thing that you've set your sights on because the bible teaches us that when we delight ourselves in the lord he will give us the desires of our heart to say so in psalms and he also says in philippians i believe that god works in us to will, which is to desire and to do of his good pleasure so it is not random right? Those desires that have grabbed hold of you, the things you truly want to do, the impact you want to make, it's not random. And if you've become awakened to those kinds of desires, it means that you already have the capacity within you to be able to live it out and achieve those things. So when the angel showed up to Gideon and literally said, mighty man of valor, Gideon was like, are you talking to me? <laughs> I was like, me? Who? No, 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 no. Mighty man of valor, the Lord is with you. Two things that he immediately refuted, like number one, number one. Can you see me here hiding behind a rock, trying to thresh wheat so that the Amalekites would not see? Because literally the Amalekites had oppressed the Israelites for a number of years. To the point that every time the Israelites would plant and it was harvest time, they would wait till, they would wait until it was harvest time. And then the Bible says they will come like locusts. They will cover the land like locusts and literally take all of their harvests away from them. They left them completely battered. They literally went to work on diminishing and destroying the identity and the image of God within the Israelites. And that's the first thing I want to say about the inner dialogue. The inner dialogue does not happen in isolation. A lot of times it's as a result of our experiences. That is why you have to be careful about the things you internalize. Because something happens in your environment does not mean it needs to go inside of you. Somebody said, yes, there may be a storm going on around you, but you don't have to let it into the boat. In fact, one of the respected Pentecostal preachers of our time, Kenneth Hagin said, a bird can fly over your head. You may not be able to control that, but surely you have control over whether that bird built a nest in your hair. In other words, things happen 
in our environment all the time. Things go against us all the time. We experience disappointments and so on. People go against us, backstabbing, betrayals, whatever. However, you have a choice as to whether that experience gets internalized. Because the moment you begin to ruminate on it, the moment you begin to bring it into your own personal space with your words and with your thoughts, what you're doing is you're converting it into your own self-talk. You are converting it into your own personal self-talk. In other words, when you show up to that situation, if it has been converted into your personal self-talk and your identity, that is what is going to be the dominant voice. So if you go to present at work, you have a presentation and after the presentation, you felt quite good about it. You thought you did very well. And then somebody walked up to you, somebody that you maybe respect or look up to, or maybe has some clout in the organization. They walk up to you and they say something like, well, did you even prepare for that thing? Because I don't understand how you could have presented. And they literally just <laughs> wiped you down with their words. You have a choice. You could say to them, thank you very much for the feedback. Could you tell me specifically what I could do better and leave it at that? Take whatever they say you can do better and move on. And that's that. That's the end of that. Or you could take what they have said, get into a bad mood, begin to ruminate, begin to think about rolling it over and over in your head again. First of all, they will start with anger. How can he say that to me? How could she say that to me? Does she know how much time I spent preparing for this thing? And then it comes to he. Maybe she's actually telling the truth. And you keep thinking about it, thinking about you, you keep speaking about it. Come and see what this person said. She said, I'm not good enough. She said, I'm inadequate. You're actually taking ownership of that thing. And the longer you do it for, the more that thing actually would become your identity. To the point that the next time you have an opportunity to go and present, guess what's going to happen? That word, whatever the person said that you have now taken into your own personal space will be the dominant voice. And it will literally crank up the fear and the self-doubt, like it would be going, no, you can't do this. Don't do it. Make up an excuse as to why you can't and so on. Do you know what I mean? So experiences happen. They happen all the time. Every single day, negative things are going to happen. We live in a world where even Jesus told us to expect such. However, he said, be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. You may have affliction or tribulation in this world, in your external experiences. That's what he said. But you have a choice as to the state of your own heart. He said, be of good cheer. Be in peace. Receive the peace that I'm giving you. Stay at the place of peace. You have a choice. Don't internalize particularly words that people speak over you that are negative. Especially when they attack who you are, as opposed to trying to give you feedback about what you've done. So you may actually have done something that is incorrect, that needs correction. If that person is attacking who you are, you need to completely dismiss that because they're not going for correction, they're going for destruction. Because there's a difference between what somebody did and who they are. So you don't need to use your words to attack who they are because that goes deep into the heart and it will create more problems in the long run. It doesn't fix anything. But by actually speaking to what and how they can improve the what, that has the capacity to move that person forward.
Do you see what I mean? So the Israelites had been battered left, right, and center by the Amalekites. And because it was prolonged, because it had happened over a long period of time, they had internalized it. Look at Gideon. Gideon was a man, full grown man, and he was hiding. I mean, I want you to try and imagine what would have happened to such a person that he would go and hide behind a rock in order to get a little bit of food to eat. They had really gone to work on their mind. They had mastered them in their mind. They had literally turned them to slaves in their mind. So when God showed up in the form of the angel, so the angel showed up and said, mighty man of valor, the Lord is with you. He immediately questioned it. He was afraid and he doubted every word that the angel said. And that was because of his internal dialogue was faulty. His internal dialogue was completely faulty. Now, I'm not going to go into what he did in order to overcome that because i'm going to share the strategies and i'm going to come back and refer to that but i want you to be mindful of your internal dialogue what are you thinking in fact there's an exercise you need to do over a period of maybe half a day or something every time you catch yourself thinking about something record it write it down what was i thinking about what did i say to myself literally monitor your self-talk if your self-talk is predominantly negative honestly you need to go and work on that you need to go and work on that because that negative self-talk is forming is creating a negative identity and the identity you have is what shows up in every area of your life you can't separate yourself from your identity do you see what i mean so there's internal dialogue now let's talk about the external dialogue where you actually believe you can do something. There's no fear regarding you. are just like, do you know what? I genuinely believe that I can do this thing. I'm confident about this thing. And then you now meet with somebody or have a conversation with someone that tells you that, no, you can't do it. Or they say something in a way that tries to cast shadow on that confidence that you have. It could be literally a conversation with someone, or it could be an experience. It could be a conversation and I'll come to that with an example in the Bible. But when I talk about an experience, I already alluded to that with the Israelites. But an example could be, you literally believe that, do you know what? I, I know that I can do this job. This promotion that's just opened up, I know that I'm able to do it. And then you apply and then they don't even shortlist you, <laughs> which is all that happened to me, right? I didn't even get shortlisted. Like, eh? But I, me, I thought I, I definitely thought I was going to get this job and I didn't even get shortlisted for interview. Now, the way you respond to negative events and conversations when you have the confidence again is very important it's very very important you have to learn not to internalize so an example of external dialogue that comes to create fear and self-doubt is david and his brother when david was going to go and fight goliath what happened he was like who is this one that is just blaspheming speaking against jehovah what is wrong with this guy i will go and fight him his brother immediately spoke up and said, you've come again. You're this arrogant little boy. What happened to the few sheep? It's interesting that he didn't just say sheep. He said, what happened to the fish, the handful <laughs> of sheep that you left behind in the wilderness? My friend, go back. That's what he was saying. He literally saw that this guy is operating at this point. Oh, he seems to be here. Oh, and he measured his words to 
bring him down a peg or two. His words were measured and the intention was very clear. He wanted to attack that identity. He wanted to attack that confidence. He wanted to instill fear into him. And his brother, David's brother was not the only one. Even Saul, King Saul was like, ah, you're a boy. Look at him. He's a giant. So you're going to come up with external things that will try and hold you back when you genuinely believe within you that this is something you're supposed to be doing. Some people may present it to you like that's not a very clever idea. That's a stupid idea. That's not very intelligent at all. You want to do one? No, no, that doesn't make sense. But to you, it makes sense right? But then you now have that conflict because you're like, but it makes sense to me. But all these other people are saying doesn't make sense. You have to learn how to tune in. This is where the walk with the Holy Spirit, that intimacy with the Holy Spirit and fellowship with the Holy Spirit is very important because he's your ally. If he's telling you to go forward, you're going to have to keep going back to check in with him. To say, is this really something that I'm meant to be doing? Because if you allow people Honestly, people will just keep you down. Some do it intentionally. Some are not even doing it intentionally. It's because they don't yet see what you are seeing. They're not being mean. They're not being malicious. But they can't see. They can't understand how what you're saying is going to work out. But here's the truth. They're not supposed to be able to see it yet. The only time they will see it is when you have created it. So it could be something that you need to create. And then when you create it, they'll be like, Oh, wow. I didn't think it was possible. Do you see what I mean? So don't take what people say as gospel. Even if it is somebody that you respect, even if it's somebody that is a mentor, you have to be able to dial in to what is going on within you and tune into your own intuition as to whether this is something you're meant to move forward to do or not. Okay. Right. So we're going to talk about two things. I want to share with you strategies. So I have four strategies that will help you overcome fear and self-doubt, imposter syndrome, whatever you want to call it, specifically when it comes to stepping out in purposeful living, doing something that may seem out of the ordinary, right? And I want to share some tools as well. So I have three tools that will also help you. So first of all, the strategies. And the first strategy is you have to challenge the narrator. Whoever the narrator is, whether it is your own thoughts, internal dialogue, or somebody or an external situation, whether it's internal or external, you have to challenge what they said. When David's brother spoke up and said, who do you think you are? You are arrogant. Go back to the few sheep. David immediately spoke up. Now, this is not the time to be fighting people because people use this as an excuse to be rude. They're not be abusing people. How dare you say that? <laughs> Hello, we're meant to do everything in love, right? David was not rude. After all, this was his elder brother. As we say in Nigeria, his senior brother. He's not going to start showing up his senior brother in front of his friends or colleagues, right? But he did speak back. He said, what did I do now? I haven't done anything. I was only asking a question. And then he quickly moved away and went and asked the same question to somebody else. He didn't give up. He just moved on. Say, okay, if you are going to not answer my question... And at the same time, you're trying to attack this identity inside me that I need to fight Goliath and win. I'm going to just move along very quickly. So he wasn't rude about it, but he did speak back. He definitely spoke back. He was like, nope, don't say that. I'm just asking a question. And then he moved on. Think about the life of Jesus. They kept trying to attack 
the identity of Jesus through their words. They'll say things like, you're Bezobob, you're a demon, you're the king of demons. How dare you say you're the son of God? How dare you say this? How dare you say that? How dare you say you're going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days? How dare you heal on the Sabbath? How dare you say, etc. Is this not Joseph's son? Jesus would always speak back. Even when it was people, so that was like the Pharisees, but even when it was people that he loved and he was close to, like Mary and Martha, when he got to Lazarus's tomb, when he got to the place where they had buried Lazarus, he was like, if you had been here, our brother would not have died. Jesus spoke back. We said, I am the resurrection and the life. In other words, they were saying, there's nothing you can do. You are too late. This is a dead end. Jesus spoke back. He said, no. Nope. I am the resurrection and I am the life. I carry life everywhere I go and any dead thing I touch is going to come back to life. He spoke back. He definitely spoke back. When Peter literally being used as a channel by Satan to challenge Jesus, to say, you're not going to go to the cross. He spoke back. Oh, he said, Satan, get out. Do you see what I mean? Speak back, speak back. If you can't speak back right there and then, Excuse yourself, say, can you give me one minute? I'll be back and go to a private place and speak back. Use your own words to destroy those poisonous words that he just spoke over you. Speak back, speak back, challenge what they're saying. Don't just take it and then go and cry. And then as you're crying, say, come and see what they said. They called me this. Forget that. You're actually helping Satan to imprint those negative words into your identity. You do not want that. So speak back, replace any negativity with positive declarations. Say something positive, say something positive regarding your own life. You don't have to impose it on somebody else. So if somebody believes that and comes and says to you that, oh, actually everybody's going to get sacked in this economy, nobody's going to make it. That's their opinion, right? You don't have to say, how dare you say that? Why can't you have faith? That's their own problem. You say, actually, I believe that all things are working together for my good. Actually, I believe that in the place of crisis is where you bloom and blossom the most, etc., etc. So talk about yourself. Don't try and impose anything on anyone. Don't try and force people to come around to your own point of view. You only need to protect your own identity. Do you see what I mean? So speak back. That's the first one. Challenge the narration. And it's not just external. Like I said, it's also internal. So be mindful of the kinds of thoughts that you're thinking. Be mindful of the kinds of thoughts that are coming into your mind. A random thought just comes and say something that you know is contrary to what you desire. Speak back. Say, no, 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 no. No, I reject that in the name of Jesus. Do you understand that? The second strategy is to embrace imperfection. Because what people fear the most is embarrassment and shame. <laughs> All this fear of failure, fear of judgment, fear. If we sum it up, truly, truly, it is fear of embarrassment, fear of shame. That is what we're really afraid of. Because if you say, oh, what if I fail? I'm afraid of failing. Is it just failure in itself that you're afraid of? Or what people will say if you fail? That's what you're really afraid of. That's what you're really, really afraid of. Okay. So if you know that it is a shame and the embarrassment, you're truly afraid, embrace it, embrace it, embrace imperfection because shame is saying, Oh, you're actually not perfect. Embrace it. Say I'm not perfect. Oh, at least I'm trying. 
at least I'm not stuck in one place. At least I'm putting myself out there. It may look like it's not working. It may look like I fell flat on my face. It may look like I attempted to go for that promotion and I was rejected. It's fine. At least I put myself out there. I've sown the seed of that intention in the minds of the leadership to know that, okay, this person, this is the direction they want to start moving towards. And if they're the right set of people that you're meant to be part of their lives, they will start to give you opportunities to help you move in that direction. So it's a win-win. Embrace imperfection. Normalize failure as a learning opportunity, not a setback. Not a setback. Because that is what will create that self-doubt and will amplify the voice of fear. You say, oh, I don't think I can go for this. Go for it. And if you are right, you learn. Even if your self-doubt is justified, you would have learned something. Like I said at the start, someone says, go and climb a mountain. Self-doubt is not, I don't know if I can climb a mountain. I know I can't climb a mountain. I need to be trained. But if I go and I show up underprepared and I try to climb a mountain and I only literally go two steps, which is probably what would happen, I would have learned something. I would walk away from that quote-unquote failure having learned something. So I know that it has almost become a cliche that you don't fail, you learn, but it's the actual truth. If you don't fail, you don't learn. If you don't put yourself out there to at least try, then there's no way you're going to gather literally the light that you need to get to the end or to achieve your goal. It's impossible without failing. Failing is a part of the process. So normalize failure, embrace failure. Like Thomas Edison, I believe it was Thomas Edison said, when he was trying to invent the light bulb, he said, oh, you failed so many times. And no, I just found a thousand times in which it didn't work. So the first time, oh, okay, it's definitely not going to work this way. As opposed to, oh God, I failed, I failed. No, I've just literally found a way that it wouldn't work. Okay, let's cross that off one down infinity to go. That's what failure is because if you are too afraid of failure, then it's going to keep feeding that fear and the self-doubt. You will not volunteer to do something that you know you are supposed to be doing because you're afraid that it won't go well. It's okay. The first time it probably would not go well anyway, because it's the first time, but the more you do it, you gather expertise, you gain more knowledge, you sharpen your skills, and then it gets better. Okay. The third one is to have a good support system around you. So this is a very important strategy because one fear and self-doubt want to drown you out and paralyze you. You can always run it by people that you can trust people that are forward thinking. I'm not talking about people that are going to feed the fear and the self-doubt even more and say, ah, well, you're right. So maybe <laughs> just that. people that are forward thinking surround yourself with people like that, that don't think anything is impossible. That believe that with God, all things are possible. So you want to be able to open yourself up to such people and immediately they'll begin to speak life into you. They'll begin to say, of course you can do it. Of course you can do it. Look at all this. And they'll begin to catalog all the reasons why you can. So immerse yourself in very solid support systems. And the fourth strategy is very important. And I already alluded to it is start small. I dedicated an entire episode in this series to starting small. This is so important because fear 
of failure, you want to actually dismantle that thing and disintegrate it starts more. Because the reason why people become paralyzed by fear or self-doubt is because they want to literally move a mountain in one day. Rome was not built in one day. A proverb says, how do you eat an elephant? And the answer is one bite at a time. So of course you're going to feel afraid. Of course you're going to feel like an imposter if literally you want to go and eat an entire elephant in one sitting, in one bite. But if you break it down and say, okay, oh, elephant, I'm coming for you. However, I'm going to start with this one tiny bite. It will literally vanquish the fear and the self-doubt. So learn to start small. It's very important. And lastly, I want to share with you three tools that you can daily apply to keep working and chipping away at that seat of fear and self-doubt and imposter syndrome so that you can boldly and courageously move forward and lay hold of everything that you are meant to achieve or and lay hold of everything that is meant for you in every season and to lay hold of the impact that God has called you to make, however big or small, in every season of your life. So I have three tools that definitely help me and I practice regularly. The first one is meditation and by extension, visualization. Your meditation is supposed to end with a picture. Meditation is not complete until you have a picture. Let me repeat that. Meditation is a process that helps you create or to build a picture, a positive picture of your future. And that's visualization. So if God has called you to something or you have this desire to do something, begin to meditate on the outcome. Begin to see yourself becoming that thing, achieving that thing, moving forward boldly to lay hold of whatever it is. The more you do that, and the more that picture becomes clear and established in your heart, fear and doubt will literally disintegrate. You gain more confidence, the boldness, the courage to begin to take steps towards it. So visualization is very important. Imagine yourself confidently achieving those goals. Feel those positive emotions. Dedicate time to feeding your mind with pictures of the future that you desire. The second tool is journaling. Journaling helps you hold up a candle or a light to the things that are telling you you can't do something. So the fears and the self-doubts. So when something, a thought pops up and says you can't do this, if you write it down, in fact, by the time you finish writing it down, you can look at it and say, is this thought, is it true? What this person said, is it true? This fear, is it true? By the time you start to journal, you begin to go back like David did. How did David overcome the fear of facing Goliath and overcome the doubt of facing Goliath? He went back. Almost like a journaling session. Okay, I remember when the lion came and the bear came. That's almost like a journaling session. So you begin to go back into your past. You begin to remember the goodness of God. And if you journal on a consistent basis, if every day you're literally writing out the things, feeding your heart with things that are positive, then it will be very difficult for anything to shake you. So if you can pick up journaling as a habit. The third one, final tool that I'm going to share and probably the most important because it feeds into the other two is declarations. 
declarations. Some people call it affirmations. Affirmations or declarations, whichever way you want to call it, essentially speaking, not necessarily to people, but to yourself. Do you have a collection of statements, powerful statements that you're speaking to yourself every day? Remember, the words that you speak, they go straight down into your heart. So are you speaking words that are building off your confidence every single day so that by the time you go to face the world, you're already pumped up. You're already established in peace. Repeat positive statements and even more powerful scriptures. There's nothing more powerful than the word of God. So specific scriptures and even better scriptures that God has shown you promises that have come alive to you in the Bible, write them down, personalize them and begin to speak them over your life. Even if the dream seems completely far, even if it looks like something that could never happen, if it looks impossible to you at the moment, it doesn't matter. Start speaking it daily into your life. Start calling yourself what it is that you have been told you will become. So God said to Abraham, I will make you a father of many nations. And he said to him after a while, because Abraham started to misbehave, (laughs) we need to fix your speech. And God said to him, start to call yourself father of nations, Abraham, and start to call Sarah princess, meaning young, beautiful. And that was exactly what happened. So by speaking, he literally became who God already saw him to be. So you speak yourself into the identity of who God already sees you as. Whatever dream he has put in your heart, where purpose is concerned, impact, whatever you want to achieve. At the moment, you look at it and self-doubt and fear want to kill you. The way you counteract them is by speaking. So use your words. Declare words like that every single day. I am capable. I can fulfill my purpose. I have the strength to move forward. I am courageous. Anything you put after I am is literally shaping your identity. Any word, anything you say after the two words I am is shaping your identity. So if you say I am courageous, you are literally morphing into somebody that is stupendously courageous. No matter how timid you may be right now, practice this or practice it for a while. And you will see that, hold on a minute, me that I would have retracted. If they asked for a volunteer, I would have literally shrunk my body size. So that nobody would notice me. But now I'm the first to shoot my hand up and say, sure, I'll do that. Why? It's because you're speaking and saying, I am courageous. I'm as bold as a lion. The Holy Spirit is in me. The Spirit of Most High, the Creator and the Possessor of the heavens and the earth dwells inside me. There's nothing I cannot achieve. I can do all things. When you begin to say things like that to yourself on a consistent basis, honestly, you'll be shocked at how much confidence and strength you will build into yourself. Okay. All right. So that's why I'm going to leave it today. We have one more episode to go and it is a little bit of a surprise. I'm not going to say anything about it until it drops next week. So see you next week for the final edition of the Purposeful Living series. The final episode, I should say, in that series. See you then.